Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. All right. Well, welcome everyone to another Peers Over Beers. My name is Chris Detzel, and today I have a special guest, Matthew Hunt from Automation Wolf. Matthew, how's it going? Hey, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, it's funny as I'm looking at your um, uh, LinkedIn and I see a lot of different things you're over. So I don't know if this is, if I said the right company or not, there's another company called your co-founder advisor of Summit Beast. And then you're a coach and a speaker. You do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I think you reached out to me or I reached out to you, I'm not sure, but about being on Peers Over Beers. And, um, you know, I think the things that we were talking about is kind of how you help companies look at, you know, marketing in a different way, you know, and and I really liked, because we had a pre-show and I should always capture these pre-shows, but but I really liked some of the things that you were talking about with smackable content and reaching out to, you know, people that might not know you, but on how you, how they start to get to know you through different social sites channel, or, you know, some of the different social channels and things like that. Love to hear more about that because, and then you even mentioned community. So let's bring up communities. It is a community podcast um, and go from there. Is that fair? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're huge on community. That's, That's one of our main pillars to our signature system. And so what we do as an agency is we're done for you demand gen agency that mostly helps other B2B companies and how the service got developed was it was actually something that I had to develop for myself as being an agency owner. So 75% of our clients, other agencies, 25% are like B2B SaaS or consultants and coaches or people in recruiting people who care about LinkedIn at the end of the day, right. It's probably the main Mm -hmm. social media channel they're at. But what we, what I realized in my career on my second agency was we did a lot of inbound marketing for companies like, and a lot of BDC companies, we worked for a lot of fortune 500 companies. And so we'd create content search engine optimization was important to us, you know, search ads like AdWords now called Google advertising was important to us, Facebook ads, et cetera, like that. And I remember trying to do that for my business and it just led to like a lot of like terrible leads, like leads Mm. that just were not great, like a lot of noise at the end of the day. And so I had this epiphany where I was like, oh, just because I practice that for my clients doesn't mean it's right for me. Right. And because I wanted a very specific audience, I was really targeted just fortune 500 companies for that agency. So then I was like, okay, well, they're not invisible. Right. So why don't I, you know, build a list and cold email them or reach out to them on LinkedIn or whatever. But here's what I discovered. When you reach out and you try to connect and then pitch and you're a stranger, guess what happens? Mm-hmm. It's danger. Cause we've all been taught this since we were three years yeah, old, right. right? It just, it just doesn't work and ends up ruining your reputation. And I apologize if I did that to you out there, if you're listening to this, if I sprayed and prayed <laughs> and, and there's some digital footprint out there, that's completely embarrassing to me. I please forgive me. I have, I have sinned and I, and I have learned to get better and I just don't do that anymore. So then I realized, ah, okay, well, what are different things I started discovering? What are different things that I could outreach to people so that we could get to know each other? And what I started realizing is at the end of the day, look, people only buy from people that they know, like, and trust, 
right? And so we had to come up with some offers that worked. And what I discovered was there was a couple offers that always worked. One was like, whenever I reached out and invited someone to a mastermind dinner, it worked. Whenever I invited someone out to an event that was specific to them, it worked. Whenever I reached out to offer to interview them or to get them as a quote in an article or get them on my podcast, it was very welcoming. Ego, ego bait is very, very powerful. So I was like, oh, there is something that is here. And so, so that opened the door of like, oh, this is how I can use outbound to open doors to start building the relationship. But what I still didn't figure out was how do I do it at leverage at a one-to-many level versus a yep. one-to-one level? Because it's very inf- inefficient. And this is when I created the system that we call now the demand gen uh, system, which is short form, long form, okay, and controlled form. And so short form is that snackable media that snack snackable content you find in social media and 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 it could be organic or it could be paid ads at the end of the day but it's like a minute long you have to remember like when someone goes yep. to linkedin or facebook or instagram it, they're procrastinating or they are in discovery mode one or the others and so this is your ability with that 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 marketing to be discovered or stay top of mind with your existing network. So if you know your ideal audience is on LinkedIn and B2B business, you can connect with them, but don't pitch them. Connect with them with a personalized message. They'll accept it. Then they have the opportunity to see your snackable content, right? So that's one way of getting more leverage for yourself to build more goodwill. And all you have to do is be helpful with your content without pitching and people will start to get to know you. And those who already know you, they'll start referring you more business. Now, you're not going to convert anybody on snackable content. Like a one minute video is not going to turn someone into a client or a customer. Right. Just rarely going to happen. So you need to have an offer that that creates enough curiosity that you, you funnel them to something that's not cheesy or salesy. And that could be your community, or that could be a long form mechanism. Like I recommend a workshop, not a webinar. This is not a webinar where you try to close people and hmm. do all this hype. You literally help someone do something, help them go from A to B so you can build the trust. So you can demonstrate your abilities and start to build some trust. And if they're in market and they, you built some goodwill and trust with them, they'll end up in your sales opportunity funnel, or they'll end up in, at least in your marketing call. Funnel. And those who are not ready to buy, because the reality is this 97% of people who even attend your workshop or see your snackable content are not ready to buy today. It doesn't mean that they can't buy from you tomorrow. And so here's yeah. what I, here's what I, here's what I mean by this. I can't tell you how many times at my second agency, okay, where, where all of a sudden I get a phone call, ring, ring, it's Marty. Marty says to me, Matt, it's Marty. Do you remember me? I'm like, uh, I think so. He's like, uh, well, um, I just recently was hoping you could help us with our SEO. I'm at this company now. Here's our budget. You know, we actually met two years ago when you ran your inbound con conference in Toronto, we chatted around, Mm -hmm. you know, around the bar for a couple hours. You're really cool. I came to a couple of your meetups. I've been secretly creeping you online for the last two years. (laughs) When I was there, I was only a marketing manager. Now I'm the VP of marketing for this. And I got, you know, half a million dollars a year that I need to put to work, you know, and that's, and how do you track that in your CRM? Right. So you, you, you can't, you, you don't, right. It was built through relationship and all these little touches. So you can't really, you can't judge how this happens, but what you need to do is you want to put them somewhere in a controlled form. that doesn't feel like marketing or sales. Yeah. And that's where you stick them in the community. So something like a Slack group, you know, a private group on mighty networks, it could be the new Twitter groups. It could, I, my first group was a Skype group for other agency owners who were my competitors mm-hmm. 
And, and that's literally, how I grew my first agency was networking with my competitors privately in a Slack. I mean, not in a Skype uh, chat group, you know, yeah. and then every once in a, every once, once a month, I'd get them on there and we would have beers just like <laughs> this joke around, complain about our customers. And then we end up Love like it. sending each other's, we end up sending each other business because we all specialized in some niche. You know? yeah, yeah, Mine was contractors. The other guys was lawyers. And then it was this particular, you know, there's almost no overlap whatsoever. And we ended up, you know, we ended up, we ended up getting more backlinks to each other, guest posting each other's podcasts, each other's guest mm-hmm. posting on each other's blog, like all these opportunities came out of it through community. And the reality is community is where you really start to build the trust. And, and I realized this after I read this book called Oversubscribed from Daniel Priestley, written in 2014. It's a great book. If you haven't read it or if you haven't listened to it yet, get it on your Audible, order it from Amazon. It's one of these evergreen books, just like, you know, Chet Holmes' book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. There's some books that just like are evergreen. Doesn't matter if you read it 10 years ago or if you read it 50 years from now, it's always going to work. And so in this book, he calls something called the 11, the 7, 11, and 4 rule. Have you ever heard of the 7, 11, and 4 rule? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So anytime someone's making a major business decision, all right? Like, or even any decision that's important to them, like buying a car, where they're going to invest their money, investing, you know, half a million dollars in a new CRM system or half a million dollars in a marketing campaign on paid ads, right? They don't make those decisions lightly. They need to know, like, and trust you in advance for that to happen, right? And so what he discovered was through Consumer Insights is people need to be, have seven hours exposed to your brand. 11 Mm -hmm. interactions in four different locations. And once you do that, you move yourself from being a stranger and acquaintance to being seen as a trusted advisor. And once you're a trusted advisor, that's when that's the only time you should start selling. You should never sell before that, because if you sell before you're a trusted advisor, you're just a commodity. And the great thing is once you're a trusted advisor and you have demand for your services and trust for you and your brand, you can suck at sales. You don't need as many salespeople and you can charge more. Because the reality is if you go back and look at your website in any ways in general, go look at it in Google analytics. Okay. Or whatever your analytics tool is, whatever your BI tool is, people spend less than a minute on most websites. Mm -hmm. They're not making decisions based on your website. It's not that magical. I'm sorry. You're not impressive. I I hate, (laughs) I hate to break it to you. You're beige and boring and look like everybody else. I guarantee if you take you and your competitors and you open up all their websites in 10 different tabs, and then you use the squint test and really stand back five feet and look at them and change every 30 seconds from website to website, they all look the same. They all say the same thing. And mm-hmm. to your buyers, they don't know that. It's not how they're making buying decisions. How we make buying decisions, particularly people who carry budgets, is based on the relationships or direct referrals. So, you know, that, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, this is very intriguing to me, but, you know, when I look at companies like mine, when I look at, I mean, there's a lot of companies like mine that do just that. They spend a lot of money, time and effort on that website because, you know, that's how people kind of find you, right? So you create a lot of content so that you're found organically, but also in paid and everything else. Um, but it's also a good point that, you bring up one is organic users that find your website organically are generally, you know, worth more, right? Because they will buy more that that's just a given fact, uh, or they at least you have a higher percentage of opportunity there, but you're saying that, you know, 
the website is important, but it's not that important because they all look the same, right? It's totally. It's absolutely not at the end of the day. I mean, listen, the website's important, but honestly, even when I launched this business, I had zero, I didn't even have a website. Hmm. I just, I just literally launched it telling people idea from my warm network of people who knew me, this is what I'm going to do. This is what it costs. Give me some money and I'll go build it. Use the word beta. So they knew it was going to suck at the beginning Mm -hmm. and, and did it. If they're not going to vote with their wallets. And and, I used to have a boss that told me, he goes, just put beta on it and we could do it for as long as we need to. And it's fine. And then we'll kind of eventually take it off if we feel like it. Anyways, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's 100%, 100%. Most businesses in general, 50% of it is delivery, but the other 50% is doing two things with your customers and clients that everybody underestimates and don't put enough energy into. Hmm. One is changing people's mindsets. So to be able to do that, you need to be able to articulate people's problems better. They can articulate it themselves because a problem can't be solved until it can be well articulated. Once you can do that, then you can change someone's mindset because usually people don't have problems or business problems. They have mindset problems. So once they yeah. change that and they have that ha moment, they're like, oh my God, we're approaching this totally wrong. Like the minute that someone really understands demand versus inbound and outbound, their, their, their brain goes, yes, because it hits them in the heart, gut, and the, and the funny bone all at the same time, right? The second thing that, they, that people don't do is setting expectations for your clients and customers. It's all about expectation setting. You have to under-promise and over-deliver and, and do a lot of work around that. And nobody takes any energy to it. They think their business is all about delivery or mm. all about product. It's not. It's about those two things most of the time. And the front end of that is really about relationship. Community-led um, uh, growth. A hundred percent. And people want it because people want to belong to these communities. If you keep it private, like semi-private and specific niche, because because yeah. birds of a feather flock together. Guys will drive across the country just to go hang out with other guys who drive Corvettes. You know, yeah. C- CTOs want to hang out with other CTOs. You know why? Because being a CTO, it's lonely. You're, there's only one. So if you want to yeah. get the attention, if your ITL buyer is a CTO, the first thing you should do is run a local mastermind knitter for CTOs. You should create a private Slack group that's just for CTOs. Yep. Yep. I love it. I think that... Uh, I, I think there's something said to be have private stuff. Uh, today our community is open, but um, definitely I think that you know having a space for a niche audience, right, like CTOs or chief uh, data officers or you know whatever it is, because you know they're not going to be on forums and doing shit all the time, right? You know they're, they're just gonna you, you have to create the programs that they're going to be interested in at the same time, you know, and, and yeah. how do you kind of uh, connect them to each other through, you know, these private ways, but also have good content that they're interested in. One of the things that I've been, I think we talked about this on the pre-show and I think you're hitting a spot on and and I just, it's kind of timely. It's quite interesting that, you know, we're having this conversation, but even as of recent, um, today we have this technical community from Reltio. So I'll just tell you from, from my experience, we have this technical community from Reltio, uh, and you know it's doing really well. We're super excited, and and, and I think it's an important piece uh, uh, of the community so that they can get answers to their questions about our product. That's all it is. It's about our product. What I've th- been thinking about and been tasked with is how do I kind of look at this broader community around the data, right? So when you look at you know people are trying to solve the data governance problem, right? Like at, at a higher level, people are trying to think about business outcomes. That you know, with 
with the data? You know, what are some of the business outcomes that, you know, these companies are getting from, you know, doing these master data management projects or programs and things like that? So, you know, my thought is, is how do I pivot? And, 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 and I've been slowly but surely thinking about this into, you know, instead of these very technical webinars that we do, uh, I call them community shows. I know you don't like the word webinars and I don't either, um, but, you know, they're like quick hit or, you know, an hour long kind of deep dives into a certain thing. But I was like, you know what? And, and you know, I create content around that. Some are snackable, some are, you know, but I'm like, I could still do that, but at this level, right? Like, let's think about these, you, you called it, uh, you know, instead of webinars, you call it a, a workshop, you know, workshop. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, I like that. I think whatever you might call it, let's not call them webinars anymore because it's kind of boring. It's, it feels, it feels, uh, you know, it's a, pitch, but, it's a, it's a, pitch, a webinar is just a pitch fest. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Everybody's it's, doing it. You know, yeah, it's, it's, um, not, it's not helpful. A workshop is helping someone go from A to B and be more awesome at the end of it. And they can actually like maybe do a little exercise and walk away with something that yeah. made their lives better at the end of it. That's the difference. You're delivering something or helping them do something become more awesome. And so that's, it's the intent. A webinar is used as a pitch fest. It's like a video sales letter. It's like an infomercial. At the end, you're going to come buy this or you're going to download this and we're going to force you into our- I don't like that either. No, the jig is up. Everybody knows that they're 2000, (laughs) like webinars are 2015. So just stop doing it. Like it's very, it's it's just like, it was cool. It was like the new new, new kid on the block for a while. But at the end of the day, that's not what we want. That's why no one shows up to your webinar. So just notice that how many people show up to, especially if it's like a a recorded one that's not live, like they're definitely not showing up. Right. And I like the, I like the idea of, I agree with you. And, And I think it's what you call it is, is pretty important. And that's why I started calling mine community shows, you know, whether or not that's a good name, but it was better than webinars. I was like, I don't like these community webinars. I don't like it. And so and the, it's difference, really... the difference is again, it's like the webinar is about, is about like, it's like me, yeah. mar- me marketing, right. Where people are like, look at me and my company, right. Which nobody really likes. Instead it was of a being bad about... connotation, right? Like yeah. it's just, even if that's not your intent, it's just kind of a, mm, yeah, I don't know. That's another webinar. Yeah, you know, like it's well, well, selfish and it doesn't feature your ideal prospect. It should be about them. So interview them, right? Stop trying to be the talent instead become the talent scout and the smartest brands in the world. Oh, I love that. Do that. So if you, so let's just like, look at the smartest brands in the world who've done this kind of stuff. Let's take, let's take Oprah as an example, right? Hmm. Still to this day, Oprah has a license to print money, anything she wants. She's an expert of nothing, but what is she really good at doing? Finding really smart people to pull in where she can interview them and ask them questions, right? About what to look for and look out for, for her audience. But today, if Oprah says, go buy this book, go to this restaurant, do this thing, Mm. man, she literally like implodes a business instantly. Like that's how much weight her trust matters because she was focused on building trust and focused on edifying others, not herself, but the byproduct is her. Same thing with Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss. Think about Dr. Phil. How did Dr. Phil become who he is? Oprah. Oprah said, I use Dr. Phil for this. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Phil has a show and doing all this stuff. Totally. Absolutely. And And the reality is if you play that role, expert A comes in and then they go away. That is expert B and then it's expert C and then D, E, and you go all the way through it. The constant is you and your brand. So you're the thing that's remembered at the end of the day. And because you cared more about them 
right? The people, your audience, your community, yeah. you get all the reciprocity at the end of the day. And in fact, all the best communities I've ever been to do a, a few things right. One is they're picky about who they let in, even if it's free. Two, yeah. they usually charge a shitload of money. And sometimes even mm-hmm. like for well, I remember Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach telling the story. He had a guy and his his uh, coaching program was only like 10 grand a year at the time. He's like, hey, come, jo- come join the program. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to join. It sounds really interesting. Comes back a year later. He's like, hey, man, come join the program. It's 15 grand now. You could have got it when it was 10. He's like, I'm not interested. Repeated to this process till it was 25 grand. He's like, hey, man, do you want to join? Like you could have joined when it was 10 grand. It's funny. He's like, I- I'm ready to join now. He's like, why are you ready to join now? He's like, I was waiting for you to increase your price so that I knew it was going to be around the quality of entrepreneurs that I wanted to network hmm. with to be able to grow my business. And I knew that when it was 10 grand, I would not be getting the quality of entrepreneurs that I'm networking with because until your price went up. So there's something to be said about this, that sometimes these private communities, like you have to remember these secret societies forever have been doing business. This is why the golf club exists. This is why the ski club, the yacht club, and the supper club exist. You need to create your own version of that. Even if it's Mm. for free, be super, super picky. And then you make it peer to peer. So even when I look at like Jason Gaynard, who did mastermind talks, or I look at anybody else who's done like really amazing in groups and communities, it's always peer to peer. They never, it's never speakers. It's never all Mm. this like stuff. It's literally these small micro breakout groups or groups that are peer to peer. People walk away going, that was amazing. And they renew every year. Jason Gaynard has 10,000 applications every year for his once a year event where he only invites 110 people out and Mm. people like write essays and beg and plead and ask for referrals (laughs) and scratch. Talk about building demand, right? One and all he does is one event per year. That's community. And it's, and literally he has a podcast called community made. Like this guy understands community. He gets it. He wrote a book called mastermind dinners. The dude is like, um, he's a master at building communities. And, and, and by that, he only has to do one event a year and have a lot of fun and enjoy his life. It's brilliant. <laughs> he must make it amazing. Just the it's amazing. Event, whatever the event is, you know, it's very special. Yeah. It's, it's no one walks away ever going like, why did I spend 10 grand to go to this four day event? Everyone walks away going, oh, I feel re- energized and amazing. And he creates all these moments and things for things to happen. It's, it's, it's an event, but it's one you will never forget and connections. You will never never forget it's no different than going to college you never forget your college buddies or these moments or if you did a play in 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 high school together you had this close moment this is what we want it's based on relationships and and that person who you did stuff if they called you today and be like hey can you do an intro or they found out oh you're doing this now do you think that they care about someone else's website and that it's fancier you know, who, who are they going to buy from the person they know, right. And all the times it's, it's the devil. It's not even necessarily, even if you're better, it's the devil. You don't know the bigger, the company you work at. This is why IBM never gets fired, right? You, no one ever got fired for hiring IBM. It's because it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know, which again, just comes down to who owned the relationship first, like the trust. Yep. Yep. Community. (laughs) That's right. I this has been really good. What, uh, I think that you've been doing this for how long? So this new company I've been doing is only a year and a half old. It's very, okay. very new. We did have a year before that where um, it was a lot of false starts because we we're doing spraying and praying and outbound. And then I was yeah. like, yeah, this kind of works and switch around. So this is a pretty new company, but we've been like growing like crazy for obvious reasons because it works and people get it and it connects with them in the gut and the heart. So, um, you know, 
it's 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 interesting. So, what is it that you do specifically? Like, what does your company do? Because I'm I'm like from nuts to bolts. I mean, I I get you know kind of the snackable stuff, and then you know going into you know community eventually or just yeah. short long and kind of controlled stuff. So, so yeah, so it's in our name, Automation Wolf. And so the reason why Automation Wolf is there is because most people's biggest obstacle is time. So they yeah. they know they know what to do or they know that what's kind of the right thing to do. The second biggest problem is processes and people. They have to either create processes and manage people. The more people you have, the more problems yeah. you have. So this is why we created a done for you agency, okay? Not a done with <laughs> you or do it yourself because that's not what helps people. They need help and they, and, and, and they need to do it now. So we created the first product, which was create all your stackable content in an hour and a half per month. So that takes care of that. So you meet with us via Zoom. We strategically plan out how we're going to record this content. So it's in private. So you don't have to worry about messing up. And you end up creating amazing stackable content, which creates the videos and then the images, the carousels, everything. And then we syndicate it everywhere. And then two, next thing is we help you create your your workshop, your once a month workshop. So you have a one-to-many selling event that you can add more value and build goodwill. And three, we help you set up your private community. And sometimes it's offline or online. It could be in a Slack group. It could be on Mighty Networks. could be on all kinds of different things. And those are the three steps. So we do those and then we rinse and repeat. Now, as time goes on, that first pillar is really your one-to-many selling structure. Once you lock that down, that whole structure takes you two and a half hours per month to work with us. We do everything else, but I need you for two and a half hours once a month. So if you can give me two and a half hours, I can work with you. After that, we get into what we call your content uh, networking system. And this is where we start looking outwardly. We start interviewing other people and doing other things like podcasting, other stuff. And it goes from there, but it requires more time. The way I structured the whole system is based on this, is based on your time plus budget. Yeah. And, and, and so we do the things that take the least amount of your time to work with you and cost the least amount of money. So we can go, what is the thing that is going to be the least amount of effort, but the most impact for you at the end of the day for the least amount of, um, of money. And that's, that's the winning formula. And that's why it works. So that's kind of some of the things we do with people. And obviously we do a lot more than that. If you want to see the whole system, the best thing to do is go to automationwolf.com. And there's a video there that is ungated that shows you the whole system. There's 12 steps to it. You can literally take it and swipe it. It's literally like, basically I I am your CMO and I have created your go-to market strategy and it's right there. So you can go and take it and steal it. If you feel uncomfortable about it and you're not really a marketer, then maybe you don't want to do that and just like find partners to go, Hey, contract the two, or you can come to us and we'd be possibly happy to help you. Sounds intriguing. Um, Like, is it, can you talk about some of your customers and how you've helped, or at least, you know, who have you worked with in the past or? Yeah, totally. So we work with all kinds of different customers, but generally speaking, the customers that that work best with us are sort of between, you know, doing in revenue between a million to 10 million a year. Okay. Okay. Um, They're sort of smaller companies. Yeah. Uh, if they're under a million, they're probably too small and they're still figuring out what their product market fit is, right? Mm-hmm. So they have some momentum that's going. 75% of our clients are actually other agencies, okay? Oh, Which is funny and, and usually marketing agencies. And that's not uncommon. Most marketing agencies don't have time to do their own marketing. They yep. suffer from the cobbler's kids goes with no shoes syndrome, <laughs> right? Which is really normal. They're so busy taking care of their team, yep. taking care of their clients. They don't have time to get their own marketing. So they need to contract it out to someone else who can be accountable for it because we're never accountable to ourselves. It's just, it just is what it is. Like, I think they did a study once one time where they're like, 
pe people who had to take medication, but also their pets had to take medication and people had to take medication that their life depended on, did not take it for themselves. But if it was for their pet, they always guaranteed that the pet got it right. Like that's just the way we're human beings are built. We always take care of ourselves last, but we shouldn't do that. Hmm. But so you got to contract it to someone else. The other 25% are like B2B SaaS companies, uh, coaches and consultants. I have recruiters, basically anybody who cares about their audience being on LinkedIn and so sell something that's high ticket would yep. be a perfect fit for us. Got it. And if they're a busy founder or CEO, even more, because that's usually who we work directly with is yeah. the founder and CEO. Okay. You've taught me a lot of stuff or, you know, and, and also have kind of confirmed some of my thinking around uh, awesome. the things I need to go do uh, for my um, more so not just community, but help the organization to move them forward. Um, it won't be a Chris Detzel show, but it will be, um, you know, an, an effort that will have to be kind of bought in from the company. And, and, and so this to me has been very enlightening, enlightening and, and, and thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on. Thanks, man. I appreciate having me on. It was a ton of fun. Hopefully I wasn't too long winded. No, man, that's, that's what this is about. It's getting to know you a little bit and, you know, who you are and what you do and things like that. That's all I want to know. And you taught me a lot. So, and I mean, you have lots of expertise in this. So thanks so much. Appreciate being here. All right. Well, thanks everyone for coming to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and Matthew Hunt. Thanks, Matthew.